Welcome to the Digital Lock Christian Podcast, a place for you to feel seen, heard, and empowered along your lock journey. I'm your host and digital loctician, Jocelyn Renee. Peace, family. I am so grateful for your presence and excited to connect with you tonight for another episode of the podcast where we'll be talking about these edges. All right. We're going to get into these edges. For those of you that are with me live, I would love if you could check in in the comments, if you could just share your name and what stage of the locking process you're in. Do you got some baby locks, teenage locks, uh, starter locks? You just began the journey. You got some elders in the building. Where are you in this lock journey? For those of you that are tuning in, um, maybe you're catching the replay. You can think of me as your digital loctician. My name is Jocelyn Renee, and I strive to help you cultivate the healthiest of the locks possible, making sure that you understand what hair care is, how it works, how to make your locks happy <laughs> and healthy along this journey. Okay. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, and we're going to also spend some time talking about these, these edges. All right, let me get up our agenda for today. So we're going to do a little welcome, a little check-in. For those of you just popping in, make sure you drop your name and also what stage of the locking process you're in so that I can acknowledge you. And if you are watching the replay, you could definitely comment in the chat. I would love to know. Maybe you can connect with somebody else in the community, right? Um, I see we have Chantel here in the teenage phase. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And <laughs> baby lock for three years, right? <laughs> Teresa, not quite, not quite. Carolyn says, I'm not sure. I'm 31 months. Um, is 18 months still starter? <laughs> in some cases, right? Depending, depending on how many times you started. <laughs> Regina says I'm going on five years. So we, last, I want to say last episode, we spent some time, you know, talking about the different stages of locks and some knew that there were, I feel like most everyone knew that there were five stages of the locking process, but what y'all trying to tell me is you're not sure what stage you're in or how to tell the difference between the stages. So we're going to have to spend some time there. Maybe that's the topic we'll explore um, next episode. All right, because you, knowing the stage of the locking process that you are in is really, really helpful. Um, so we're going to have to get into that. For now, just drop the number. If you don't know the stage, just drop the number. That's fine. <laughs> Look, he's just here. You're a year and a half in and you're not sure of the stage. We're, we already got it. Next episode, we're going to be talking about the stages of locks because it's very much like, do I have any moms? in the in the uh community right now if you have given birth um press a one if that's you know not not yet happened you're not it's not in the card you could press a two but if you have given birth go ahead and press a one okay because what i one thing that i learned uh birthing my child bringing my child into the world particularly with um striving to go natural, like not have an unmedicated labor, shall I say. I feel like that's a whole other conversation, but having an unmedicated labor, the classes and things I took really spoke to like, it's not so much what the dilation or what the opening size is as much as how, what are the signs you're exhibiting? And that's the same thing with blocks. It's like, yes, you could be 18 months in, but you could still be in a younger stage versus someone who's six months in, and they could be having adult lots. Like it really is based on you and what your hair type is and all those other factors. So we're going to break down those hair types next conversation. Okay. Yes. Marcus says showing all the love to all the moms out there. Truly, truly, truly. So tonight's episode, it is a continuation of this week's video, right? Because I posted a video this week and I have I recorded this video, I want to say at least two, three weeks ago. And I was like, Jocelyn, just get it out there. All right. So shout out to you if you watch the video. 
Um, it's talking about this, these edges, and it is a necessary conversation with the season that we are in. But before we jump into tonight's topic, we got to play a little game, a little trivia. All right, y'all down for the trivia? Press a theory in the chat if you're down for a little trivia, little little knowledge, little knowledge test real quick. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what we do here. So we'll post. I'm going to post the quiz options, all right? And if you are listening to the podcast, there are four options, okay? So get ready. The question is, what percentage of women experience postpartum hair loss? Is it A, 25%, B, 40%, C, 50%, or D, 75%? Question again. What percentage of women experience postpartum hair loss or alopecia? Is it A, 25%, B, 40%, C, 50%, or D, 75%? In the comments section, let's see how how much y'all been tuning into the episodes, reading the blog posts, watching the videos. Or maybe, hey, this is life experience, all right? What, what have you been experiencing in your life with friends, family, you, yourself? So it looks like there's a mixture. Uh, so I got some Bs, got some Ds, got some Cs. Nobody sings A. Oh, we got an A. So we got all of them, all right? All the answers. We got to get a drum roll. This is my drum roll sound. <laughs> the percentage of women that experience postpartum hair loss or alopecia is B, 40%. 40% of women, so less than half, experience postpartum alopecia. So shout out to all the Bs. And for those of you that picked anything other than B, just a little fun fact to throw out there uh, for you to be aware of because alopecia is one type of hair loss and postpart or postpartum alopecia is one type of hair loss. Um, and it, it affects 40% of women um, after they give childbirth. So a little fun fact. All right. So now let's go ahead and get into tonight's topic. And we're going to have Q&A tonight. We haven't done Q&A in a long time. So if there are any questions that you have, be sure to post your questions in the comments. And at the end of tonight's episode, we're going to do some Q&A with the loctician. All right. So we're going to get into tonight's topic and we're going to have a little Q&A for today. So getting into these edges, how many of you are striving to avoid lint in your locks? Press a four. If you are striving to avoid lint in your locks, press a five. If you're like, I don't care, lint's going to do what it's going to do. I'm not stressing myself out about it. So press a four if that's something that concerns you. Press a five if that's something you're not even tripping on. You're like, you know, life's going to do what it wants to do. I knew I had some more pieces here to adorn my hair. One of the things I meant to do earlier today. But I was frolicking in Washington, D.C. with my Nana today, so I didn't get to put my luxury in. Um, but yeah, I had a couple pieces that I wanted to put in. So let's get into this, this Lent conversation. Where are we with? So I see mostly force. <laughs> Dakota says, I gave up and I dyed the Lent to match my hair. Did it work, Dakota? Did dyeing it work? Because a lot of times I see dying lint not being a solution. But let us know in the comments. So it looks like most everybody is striving to avoid lint and locks. Rightfully so. I believe lint is one of the number one enemies of locks. So talking about our edges, meaning our perimeter and this back row. All right. The back row of your locks is one of the biggest magnets for lint. OK, one of the biggest magnets for lint is that back row of locks. And 
because you can't see the back of your head, it tends to get trapped there and it doesn't show up to your lock skit longer. And you're like, oh, wait, I actually do have glint and I see it, which is my, my little locks back here. They they had to go. It was, it was, it was lint. I had to get it out of there. So I wanted to share with you some, some tips for protecting that back row specifically and in addition to your edges. We are, we're on a kind of like a series, I would say, with understanding the basics of locks. So I know some of you are just getting started. A lot of you are years into the game with locks. And when it comes to locks, protecting this, these, these edges here because did y'all know well let me ask you rather when you started your locks when you start locks or when you started your locks did you make the locks on your hairline bigger or smaller put it in the chat the edge of your locks bigger part it wider larger or smaller what do you think what are your thoughts what is your experience or is that the same size? You're like, I wanted all my locks to be the exact same size. So I parted the ones along the hairline the same and the ones in the middle the same. Everything's the same. Bigger, smaller, or the same. What is that front hairline doing? Let me turn this off. There we go. So I'm like, that's, that's driving me crazy seeing that thing at the bottom. All right. So most people have said when you're parting the front they made it smaller Regina says that Lakeisha says it Dakota's uh Dakota's is bigger Teresa said I try to do the same size all around so when you're parting locks and this is one of the one of the things that a loctician should be helping you to understand or should be to helping you to take in, take into consideration with your parting system. It is recommended that the hairline and the perimeter is parted larger, bigger than the rest of the head. One of the main reasons for that is because this is the area that experiences the tugging from the styling, the ponytails, your scarf, shows up right like a lot of impact is given to that the edges of your locks and so having a little bit more grace flexibility with a little little bit more hair than normal will help to counteract some of the thinning i know thinning is a huge huge issue that a lot of people are experiencing right now and a lot of it you know goes back to the foundation so with your edges should be parted larger if you're just getting started but if you're already into the game if it is smaller things that you need to be aware of when you wear your scarf never put it on your hairline y'all know that if you're wearing a scarf at night never goes on your hairline does not show up here where should you put your scarf? If it should not go on your hairline, where's the best place to put your scarf? Is it <laughs> on the on the middle part of your head? So like the edges are free so they can breathe? Or is it closer on the forehead? Close down to your eyebrows. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Only on the forehead, okay? Only on the forehead, only at the eyebrows. Exactly. All right? That's going to protect your hairline with the scarves. When you have styles, how long should you leave a style in? Should you leave a style in for two weeks, three weeks? Four weeks or rather here's a here's a better question if you've left the style in longer than four weeks press a six if you don't keep your styles in for more than four weeks press a seven <laughs> i think dakota is already like listen you talking about styling it's not it's not it's not given more than a month it's my new piece yay luxury 
<laughs> Linda said, it's a trick, trick question. There should never be styles. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going to do you like that. Because I understand. Styling, you know, styling could be fun sometimes. Okay? <laughs> oh, It's never been styled, but I say a week. So, when you're styling your locks, particularly styles that are like updos, things that you're that I'm not saying are going to like tug your hairline, but it's going to put some tension there. Those styles should not be kept in longer than three weeks at the most. Okay, because you're having your hair constantly tugged with tension, and you're putting scarfs on it, and you run the wit, run the wit, run the risk of that damaging your follicles. So keep your styles in no longer than three weeks. I'd say two weeks is ideal. And then you take it out to like let just let your locks breathe, let your edges get some, get some fresh air. All right. Then we're gonna get into this, this back row. Okay. We're gonna get into this back row after a quick commercial break. Ooh, this girl just told me my locks smell good. I was like, I am so glad that I sprayed the pure scalp on my hair after that workout because sis, I'm out here smelling good and fresh and I want that for you too. So make sure you head over to crownelements.com and grab you some pure scalp. Just mm, locks just smelling fresh, scalp feeling good, pure scalp. Get you some. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. I hope that um, inspired you to check out crownelements.com. Of course, if you enter the code DLP at checkout, you get a little special treat on that order. Um, like we were saying before that commercial break, your back row of locks, it tends to be impacted by styling. It gets impacted by your scarves. And it is one of the biggest areas that gets lint attracted to it. True or false? Question real quick. I promise we're going to get into it. True or false? Does oil attract lint? True or yes, oil does attract lint. False, no, oil does not attract lint. Let me know in the comments. True or false? Does oil attract lint? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that uh, recognition of the commercial. <laughs> we're going to we have a new commercial soon, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> true, 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 true. Dakota says it depends. It is actually true. Oil does attract lint. And depending on how thick the oil is, so if you have something like a castor oil or a jojoba oil, you are prone to more lint being attracted to your hair and trapped in the hair. Where if you, whereas if you have a lighter oil, you know, closer to like an argon or grapeseed, um, avocado oil, things that are on the not as viscous, it doesn't trap as much lint, but regardless, lint does attract, I mean, lint, it, lint is attracted to oil. So a lot of times what happens when we're moisturizing our locks, you know, we spray them all down, got the spray, 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 and then we have the oil in our hands, we'll run it through, or you'll put oil like through your scalp and because of our body temperature being warm, the oil emulsifies. So it runs down and it oftentimes will end up in the back of our heads, right? It's just natural. Our head is round, put it in your scalp, the oil falls down. And it's not like dripping, you're not dripping oil. It's just naturally just going to kind of, oh, it's just going to fall back down there. And so then right at that root area, you have more oil, the rest of your head, you can't see it. You're putting your scarf on, you got a hoodie on, you got coats on, got your towels, all the things, 
coming into contact with the back nape part of your locks and lint is accumulating, accumulating, accumulating. And then one of the things that I like to do and what helps me to keep lint in check is you can feel, like if you feel like the root of your lock, it should feel as soft or very similar in texture to the rest of your locks. If at your root, at that little part where you have new growth and the nape part of your neck, if you notice there is like a clump or it's like a hardness or it's a different texture, um, it's a diff. It's like a. It's like going from you're like you're rubbing a table and then you notice there's like crumbs on it or something like that. That same kind of feel. So it's like a subtle difference is an indication that lit is starting to accumulate at your roots. And so it's better to get it out then than wait for it to completely tangle. Like we, like we talked about last week when we were looking at the locks under the microscope and you saw how it all intertwined. Before you get there, you can feel it, right? Who here lock brushes? Anybody brush their locks? Person eight, if you brush your locks. Person nine, if you're like, I'm not doing that. Or maybe you never heard about it. Press the eight if you're brushing your locks. Or you've tried, you've given it a try. If you've tried to brush your locks, press the eight. If you've never brushed your locks, press the nine. Who is part of that, my lock brushing crew? Okay, got the lock brushing going on. Yes, 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 yes. And you can brush your locks, even if your locks are young. Even if you have new locks, you can absolutely brush your locks. It's just, you should brush your locks right before you go to shampoo them. Instead of regularly, like once a week with mature locks. So lock brushing is one of my favorite ways to prevent lint because it is truly just a proactive way to get that surface lint out of the locks. You're not brushing your roots. You're brushing the ends. In cases where you notice or feel there's lint or something there, that is the only time the root should be brushed. Regularly, you're not brushing here. You're brushing down here where the lint tends to accumulate, okay? But if you don't feel comfortable with lock brushing, the next best thing for catching, minimizing, and I'd say even preventing lint is pre-cleansing your hair before you shampoo. Does anybody here pre-cleanse their hair before they shampoo? Press the one if you pre-cleanse, press the two if you do not pre-cleanse or you've never heard of pre-cleansing. And it's okay, this is a safe space. <laughs> Don't, there's no, we're all learning and growing together. So don't feel like, you know, you saying that you never pre-cleanse your hair is going to be a problem. No one's judging you. I promise. All right. We're all here to learn and grow together. So pre-cleansing your locks is what you do before you shampoo your hair to help soften or dislodge, open up the locks so that the shampoo can actually do its job. One of the, um, well, I'd say one of the healthier practices for caring for your hair is working smarter, not harder. A lot of times people will shampoo their hair three and four times or um, shampoo your hair and try to do it really quick with locks, especially with more mature locks. You want to make sure that you are allowing shampoo to sit and you're also using shampoo in the right order. And you always, always, always have a clarifying shampoo. That'll help. But lint, like we saw again under that microscope, gets tangled in the hair. So if you got lint in the back of your locks, the back row, it is really helpful to pre-cleanse, to open things up so that the shampoo can actually do its job 
and or you're brushing to kind of get that lint out of your locks. And then I would say you probably already know this, but I'm going to say this just for good measure. Seasons are cold or you like to wear a lot of hoodies. You like to wear sweatshirts. Um, you like to wear uh, fleece, cashmere, things that have a texture that sheds. One, always cover your hair before you put any of that stuff over your head. So if I was going to put this sweatshirt on, I'm putting my bonnets over all my locks, putting all my locks inside of my bonnet, then putting this hoodie sweatshirt on. You never just want to pull it over your hair. Surefire way to get lint in your locks. Another thing, if your coat has any of those type of fibers, you want to make sure that you are using a head wrap kind of like I showed in the video this week, to protect that back row or to keep your locks up as much as possible because just having your locks down and having those materials kind of rest on the back of your neck, rubbing it all, rubbing right there. Even just like, hey, girl, what's up, y'all? And then it's just, just those subtle movements, all those little things, all those little lints. It's just trapping, trapping. Um inside of that back row. So be very aware of that. And y'all, do you know they have satin line hoodies now? They literally have hoodies that have satin sewed into the hood. Like game changer. Okay. So if you're big into hoodies, maybe think about investing in a uh, satin lined hoodie and or just striving to wear your hair up as much as possible. Okay. And then going back to not wearing your hair in a lot of styles all the time or keeping the styles in, that'll also protect that back row. And understanding if you're just getting started with your lock journey, parting your perimeter larger than the rest of your locks will help minimize any thinning in the future because those areas are constantly impacted by friction, by styling, uh, by touch-ups, we just kind of like, let me just fix this front row. Not even understanding, um, you know, that type of tension can cost thinning later. All right. So hopefully that helped. Did that help? Did that give you some, some insight into how you can protect your locks this season, particularly your headline, hairline? If it did, press a three you have any other questions, put them in the chat because what we're going to do tonight, we're going to do a little Q&A with a loctician um, because we haven't done one in a while. And so if you have any questions, I would like to help you, give you some guidance and just know that you have you having that question, there are probably other people that have that same question too. There it is. I was like... I had it and then it was gone. <laughs> so let me see. Where's my question? I had a question box. So I saw these pop up earlier. So I want to go back to them. Uh, Queen Boyd asks, should you brush sister locks? Yes, you can brush sister locks. Um, we I want to say we talked about this a couple episodes ago or maybe it was a video. I can't remember at this point, but one of the things we talked about was the, how sister locks are essentially a, just another form of micro locks and you can brush micro locks. However, you want to make sure just like when you're brushing traditional locks, you're using the right type of brush and you're brushing them properly. Um, I have a video on my channel. I want to say it's called Lock Brushing 101. I want to say it's been posted in the last year, maybe year and a half at this point, but literally show you and break down how you brush your locks. So definitely make sure you're watching that video before you start lock brushing. All right. And to that point, love oneself, ask the question, why would you even brush your locks? So there are a lot of benefits to lock brushing. And the context that I was talking about tonight is really to be proactive when it comes to lint. And so instead of lint getting, having an opportunity to intertwine and integrate with your hair, you're just once a week 
just kind of getting the lint because things are floating through the air. Get a flashlight. Matter of fact, don't even get a flashlight. Take your phone, turn the flashlight on, and then turn the lights off. And look at the dust. Look at the stuff that's floating through the air just in your room. All right? And that is something that you can control. Never mind you going to the market, you going to the, the mall, the store, your friend's house, the gym, and maybe they're not dusting like they're supposed to. Or maybe you are in a city and you're often outside or you're out of a job that is in the environment. All that stuff that you can see and can't see becomes attracted to your locks. So lock brushing is one way that you can prevent that stuff from really getting trapped into the pockets of your locks. So we don't have loose hair. We don't hair. We don't have hair that we're just combing every night or we have a, uh, what do you call that thing? A protective style that we're taking down and we're just detangling. Like we are retaining all of our hair and all the experiences that come with it. So lock brushing is a way to, um, you know, take care of your locks before things become a problem. Um, in addition to lock brushing can help with uh, moisturizing, lock brushing can help with um, um, if you're doing it wet, it helps to emulsify your moisturizer. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of lot of different uses for lock brushing, but it really depends on the type of brush you're using, when you're doing it. Um, and how old, how mature, not old, how mature your locks are. Uh, so hopefully that helps. Um, <laughs> Teresa says, <laughs> will Crown Elements be developing a pre-cleanse in the future to add to the product line? Product line, absolutely. Or let me show, maybe, maybe, we'll just say maybe. That's a great idea, Teresa. I'll get back to you on that. The political answer. <laughs> let me see. Let me see. Okay, now let me turn this ticker thing off because that's getting to me. Um, let me see. I'm glad that that helped. Yay. Uh, Valerie says, "What is the difference between pre-cleansing and using a clarifying shampoo?" It's a great question. So think of it like this. So. This may or may not resonate. Imagine you have a dirty dish in the sink. And a clarifying shampoo is like the dish detergent that you put in the dishwasher. You put that dirt without washing the dish, you just put the dirty dish into the dishwasher. And trust that because of the water and because of the detergent that's in the dishwasher, it's going to get everything off that dish right? Some cases it does. Depending on how dirty it is, sometimes it won't. But a pre-cleanse is like washing the dish in the sink and then putting it in a dishwasher. So it's, you got the stuff off and then we're just following up with that clarifying shampoo for good measure. Or we're washing the stuff on the dish just to kind of like loosen it up. And then the, the dishwasher or the clarifying shampoo is like finishing the job, making sure it's all out of there. Does that make sense? Does that help? So for me, I always pre-cleanse. One of my favorite pre-cleanses is the wash by Noggin Oil. But I just found out at the conference um, last month, the whole company shut down. So I was like, oh snap, like what am I do? <laughs> I got a pre-cleanse. Luckily for me, I always purchase at least 20 of them at a time because pre-cleansing is essential. And I was using it on my clients and we had to have it. But now I'm down to like my last three bottles. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so definitely pre-cleansing. So to your point, pre-cleansing is not the same as clarifying before moisturizing shampoo. Um, but it is a form of the, it's a part of the cleansing process, if that makes sense. Hopefully, does that make sense? Do you, do, do you have a, 
press a seven if you understand pre-cleansing. Press an eight if it's still a little fuzzy. You're not quite sure what pre-cleansing is. Press a seven if you understand pre-cleansing. Press an eight if you're like still a little on the fence, not really sure like what the pre-cleanse is. Okay, seeing a lot of sevens, but I'm, I'm glad that makes sense. All right, cool. Um, so Jay says, is it okay to go without a retwist for five months or is that too long? So Jay, a few things that you got to consider before extending the time between retwisting. Um, first, I would say, how, when did you start your locks? You just started your locks. Um, I would not suggest it. It's generally recommended that you wait at least a year. Like you do a year of regular maintenance before you start semi-preforming. Because that's what if you're waiting like months and months before you, you are going to reach us, but you're just putting a lot of time in between it. It's called semi-preforming. So one, how long are your locks or how mature are your locks? The second thing I would take into consideration is the big thing that a lot of people don't consider and that is does your hair grow with or away from your locks like me for example you see like this like halo halo effect here that i have with my locks probably can't tell because i had a um a head wrap on earlier but my hair if i were to just let my hair grow it would not stay within my lock and my locks would get thinner. Contrary to the narrative that don't touch your hair, don't retwist your locks, it's gonna get thinner, or you're doing your hair every month, that's the reason why it's thinning. For some people, that is true. They can go a year, two years, and their locks will get nice and thick and luscious, and it will just look like they got a long long new growth they could pull it in a ponytail look like they got loose hair right here and locks in the back that's not my that's not my experience and then that it's not the experience for a lot of people um because it's based on your curl pattern so what i recommend is you first start with a no retwist challenge y'all remember we should probably bring that back uh the no retwist challenge go you try challenge yourself to go eight weeks without retwisting your hair. And throughout that process, like you're regularly washing. If you like to style, you're doing like some styling in there, but you're never grooming your hair. And you'll begin to see based on how your new growth operates, right? Because on average, you grow half an, half an inch of hair per month. So within two months or eight weeks, you should have at least an inch of new growth there. Is that inch of new growth going to be with your lock? So it's like still connected, no issues, nothing separating. Or at the end of the eight weeks, or you're like, whoa, if I don't go in and get this retwist, it's going to be a whole thin gap right here. So if you do a no retwist challenge or go a few weeks past when you typically get a retwist, you'll better understand your hair. And you can answer that question for yourself, you know? Will that be too long or, hey, it's five months, something that could work for you? For me, that would never be my experience. <laughs> yes, my hair grows away from my locks. If it grows away, no. You stay with retwisting your hair regularly. Don't go past two months. I'm telling you, telling you now that it's hard to recover. It's really, really hard to recover. The longest you've waited without a retwist is three and a half months. Whoo, what's that? Uh, it's like 15 weeks. My math, math in. 14, 14 weeks, 14, 15 weeks. But yeah, I wish <laughs> after like, I would say eight, eight, nine weeks, my hair is like, listen, you want to keep us or nah? And my scalp also gets really sore and sensitive. That's another indicator. Like if you're, not retwisting in your note and you notice that your scalp is becoming really sensitive and tender. It's another sign that's like, hey, we work in double time to try to hold the weight of these locks here because you got to understand, y'all, your hair 
your locks rather, are made up of your shed hair, your active hair and your shed hair. So if you um, are not retwisting or strengthening, adding, supporting the roots, you wet this or you have long hair, it stresses the follicles or stresses your root area. So naturally your scalp is going to be like, we're sensitive, it's tender. That's, that's a sign. You got to listen. Always listen to your hair. Always listen to your scalp. Okay? Um, <laughs> don't st most stylists charge more because so long between a retwist? I've seen, I've only seen that on Instagram. What's y'all experience? So community, chime in. For those of you that go to a loctician for your service, um, press a two if they charge additional for the, the duration between retwists. They charge more for the duration or press a three if it's the same no matter what. I feel like me, when I was behind the chair, I'm not charging you extra for your retwists unless it's matted and like we got to go through and separate. But if it's just, it's, hey, it's been six months that I didn't do my hair. A retwist is a retwist, a retwist. But you interlock it and you go in 12, 15 weeks. Yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be extra. Because <laughs> that's, that's way different. Um, but yeah, that's wild. I have seen it on Instagram though. People charge by the delay, like, oh, you got 72 locks? You got 85 locks? That's gonna be this price. You got 99 locks? This, this price is. Yeah, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry that's your experience. But listen, we are getting the training center together because doing the virtual trainings is great, but we have to reach and certify more. Um, I would say lock stylus in the care and health of locks. Because it's it's getting outrageous. So, yeah. Retightens for sure. You So that's why a consultation is important. And it's also important for any loctician to tell you if you get your hair interlocked or retightened, you have to stay on schedule. You, if your schedule is six to eight weeks and you start, oh, you know what? I think I've decided to go 15 weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a charge because not only, we're not just twisting it or locksmithing it and clipping it. We got to go around that lock 25 times to tighten it back together, each and every one. And if you interlock and you probably got at least 99 to 200, 300 locks. Yes, it's, it's extra. <laughs> it's extra for a retie. I can't see that for a, what do you call that thing? A retwist? Just, but yeah. All right, no more questions. Y'all good? I'd love to hear it. I'd love to see it. Locks is thriving, no lint, the moisture is on point, got your moisture balance. I'll, I have to ask one last question before we tap out for tonight. In the comments, if you could share the last time you steamed your locks. When was the last time you steamed your locks? Put that date or that time in the chats. When was the last time you steamed your locks? Put that in the chat. You know, you went and sat under a steamer for that good old steam hydration treatments to help with the moisture balance in your locks. When was that date? Or when was that time? <laughs> John was like, yesterday. I love it. Linda said October. So that was just last month. Carolyn said two weeks ago. Dara, a month ago, six months ago, I'm, I'm never, I haven't yet. What? 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 Okay. So we see, it was more questions. I knew it was more questions. 
y'all, the seasons have changed. The seasons are among us. And, you know, even once upon a time, I want to say like in the down south, like Texas, Atlanta, places like that, there was no like cold weather. But now they get snow and ice storms and all types of stuff. So that is telling me as your lactician, wherever you are, that you're going to experience some type of weather shifts. And especially if you are in an area that experiences cooler weather or you have a really sunny climate, so it gets really dry, that those extremes or just in the middle. So long story long, everybody should be steaming your locks. A steam or hydration treatment is essential to maintain the moisture balance in your locks. And for those of you that have low porosity, if that's one of your concerns, you're like, I got low porosity here. I was a low porosity natural. Well, how do I take care of my locks? Hydration treatments, hydration treatments, hydration treatments, hydration treatments. Okay. Steaming your locks is critical. Doing it once every three months or just a quick like trigger life habit. As the seasons change, you steam your locks. You do this with distilled water and it is not the same as steaming your hair in the shower. FYI. Okay. So the shower steam is helpful, but it don't count as a steam treatment. Okay. You, it's better for you to get a, what do you call those things? A domed steamer because it delivers concentrated steam. If you do not want to invest in one right now, because I want to say they're like $150, $180 on average. If you don't want to invest in right now, you don't have to go to a loctician for a full service. Like we don't trust them. Like I don't know them. I don't trust them. I don't know what they got going on. You can go a lot of, it's sadly, a lot of um, not necessarily black salons, but Caucasian salons have them because they understand, you know, they get, they're getting to the science more so of hair than the art and beauty of it, which no shade, just saying steamers, critical component in a salon setting, especially if you're saying you're a loctician, maintaining that moisture balance is important. You got to have a steamer there. All right. So I say all that to say, you can just book a steam treatment with a salon if you don't want to do it at home. And you want to do this treatment for 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the max, all right? Your hair should not be covered with a shower cap. That would defeat the purpose. So you let your locks be exposed to allow the steam, which is vaporized, or the molecule of the water is small enough to penetrate inside of your hair to get into the cortex where moisture is actually stored. That's the science of it, why it works. Because moisture is not on the outside of your hair. When you're spritzing your hair with your moisturizer, it's cute and it's helpful. But if you're striving to have moisture retention, the moisture is actually stored in the cortex, inside of the hair, which is why I like our moisture infusion at Crown Elements, the when you spray your hair, it's not like a store-bought leave-in. You spray it, it's like, ooh, immediately it feels like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. When you spray that moisture infusion, it's going to take a minute I would say with like an hour, hour and a half. And then you touch your hair, you're like, oh, wow. Because I have formulated it to penetrate. And sometimes it has to raise up that cuticle to get inside so that you can feel the difference. But nonetheless, with steam treatments, it's all built in. Get into that um, center of your hair for the moisture, okay? So definitely get you steam treatment. Okay. Um, and yeah, no shower steam. Uh, I have a dome steamer. I wish my electrician invested one because I don't like hooking it up and cleaning it afterwards. Yeah. The cleaning part of it, it shouldn't be too bad. Just wipe out the domer, dump the like extra water. Um, what else do you have to do? Is it dripping on the floor? So you got to clean up the whole floor? That could be a thing too. But yeah, shouldn't be too mad. But I wish your lactation would get one too. I understand. 
Steam caps are not the same. So steam caps, steam caps, it's the language thing, right? So why I'm telling you to do a hydration treatment or a steam treatment is to help moisture penetrate inside of your locks. A steam cap is more so how this is working is generally steam caps are made with the natural ones at least are made with flaxseed flax seeds. You're able to microwave them. And so because your hair is wet, but the cap is hot, you put the wet hair, put the cap, put the cap over wet hair. And the, the idea is that it will generate steam. Yes, it's helpful. It'll help whatever you have put in your hair again to penetrate. Cause that's the purpose It's trying to raise the outside of the hair. so Things can go inside. It can be helpful, but nothing yet, at least, because things are still evolving, but nothing I've seen has trumped um, a hair steamer. All right. So I hope that was helpful. I hope you enjoyed tonight's podcast. I always love doing Q&A with the community. Um, we have some amazing, amazing, um, something special coming up for, uh, what do you call that thing? That that holiday, Black Friday or whatever. No, we got something special. And it's not, I'll just say this, it's not just going to be hair products. You get, you get those all the time. So make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter. Make sure you check out Crown Elements, join our VRIP club. Uh, if you're looking for any hair care products for your locks, Hair care education, be sure to head over to crownelements.com. Make sure you enter the code DLP at checkout for tuning in to the Digital Lactation Podcast. And as always, I am wishing you peace, love, and good vibes. I will talk to you next week, Thursday at 8 p.m. Peace.